Welcome to episode Scott Stevens, number four of Devil's Army Cast. Um, today's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all the uh, dads out there. Um, we actually have one here ourselves. Corey's here with us, and we also have Chris and me, What's myself, going on? James. The usual not, cast not a dad, here. though. Not a dad, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not yet. Either. That's, that's wanna, down the road. Just want to confirm that. A certain way. <laughs> the only dad here is uh, Corey, but um, just yeah. clarifying. All seriousness. <laughs> Uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers listening out there. Happy Father's Day, Corey. Um, so let's let's kick, kick this episode off. Um, so a quick rundown of what we'll be discussing. As always, we'll start out with some current news. We'll move into a topic that we think is going to be pretty exciting. We're going to talk about who we think should be the next captain of the Captain List New Jersey Devil Squad. Corey will run his Donuts and Dynasty segment. Then we'll talk a little bit about on the uh, Devil's goaltending situation currently. I'll have my prospects corner, and we're going to end it with a talk on a couple of the pending um, Devils' own free agents, unrestricted free agents. So, like I said, we'll start out with the current news. First thing I want to talk about. So, when you think of dumpster fires in the NHL, um, of course, the Detroit Red Wings come to mind. But, I mean, they're rebuilding. It's excusable. But the Buffalo Sabres, man, oh, my goodness. The, the Thank God we're not Sabres fans, right? I know, Corey, you live up in Buffalo. So, uh, you have some things to say after I talk about what's going on there. But um, So, for all you guys that didn't, didn't hear, basically, the Buffalo Sabres just cleaned the house. And it was kind of out of nowhere, some too. Summer cleaning. Um, yeah, right? About it was like out of nowhere. Everyone's safe. Yeah, the opportunity just said that he wasn't gonna fire Jason Bottero. Yeah, and then he just fires him and he fires everybody. So, uh, so as we kind of just we're just talking about the Sabers basically fired their whole staff. Um, it was announced that Jason Bottrelli, the GM, was let go, and then a laundry list of other people were let go. Um, so I have a list mm-hmm. here. I'll mention some of them. Uh, it's a long list. Uh, yeah, I, I looked at it, it was pretty lengthy. Twenty-one like, wow, people they, here. The list that Friedman gave out. There's the GM, both assistant GMs, director of amateur scouting. There's about seven amateur scouts on here. There's a pro scout on here, a couple player development coaches. And they got rid of their whole AHL coaching staff, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so Chris Taylor was their AHL head coach for the Rochester Americans. And Corey, I know you could talk about this a little bit, but the Rochester Americans are a powerhouse of the AHL, right? As the past yes, few years, yeah. Yes, so sir. the past, they, they, they have been, they have been on and off. I mean, there there have been very few seasons where the, where Rochester has not been considered one of the top tier teams in the American Hockey League. Yeah. So Chris Taylor, he was there for three seasons before his firing. All three were uh, playoff appearances. The first two were, and this season they were sitting in the playoff spot too when the season ended. His record there was 116 wins, 65 losses, and then how's the AHL do it? They do 20 overtime losses and then 13 shootout losses right that's how their record is they Mm -hmm. got four okay yep so that was his record he was doing fine rochester was not the problem i don't think um and then i saw this article pretty sad article um he was explaining how it came out of nowhere and he has a sick child so he'll be without health care in two weeks um so yeah that's just not a good luck for buffalo but that's a shame sad story buffalo's cleaned the house got rid of everybody basically um they promoted which was interesting within their general manager position guy named kevin adams he was on their business side so for me they have a gm who's a business major and they have a soccer coach behind the bench. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that, but when they hired their coach, yeah, he was last coached a soccer club over in England. It was a career. Um, yeah. So 
interesting, interesting stuff. Um, oh, and another note on that, the Sabres are now paying three different GMs. They're still paying Tim Murray, who was their GM before Bar- Botrelli. They're paying Botrelli, who they just fired, and now they're paying the uh, new guy, Kevin Adams. So, yeah, that's Murray the, uh, expires that's how, soon, though, does, doesn't he? Yeah, next couple months, but still uh-huh. funny. Yeah, I mean, it's still <laughs> I mean, a bizarre situation. People. Well, um, hey, New Jersey Devils, not the biggest dumpster fire of the NHL. Um, yeah, right. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, um, they are starting to announce the Summer Showcase Junior tournaments they have, uh, some of the rosters. Team Canada and Team USA were the only two rosters I've seen. The Devils have three prospects between the two teams. Patrick Monahan, who's currently a Devils prospect who plays college hockey at Providence. He was a six-rounder in 2019. He plays forward. And Case McCarthy, a defenseman, fourth-round pick in 2019. He plays at Boston University. They're going to be... Uh, attending the Team USA camp, and Graham Clark is going to be attending the Team Canada camp. He was mm-hmm. a 2019 third-round pick. He's a forward and plays for the Ottawa 67s of the OHL. This tournament's going to be a lot of fun. I'm not very familiar with it, how it works, but I was looking at these rosters between the USA and Team Canada. A lot of prospects that are well-known, Trevor Zegers, Alex Turcott, Bowen Byram, um, Alex Newhook, those are the guys that are already drafted and there's a lot of draft eligible guys uh jack quinn cole perfetti dawson mercer quentin byfield consensus number two overall pick jamie drysdale the top defenseman and jake sanderson just a couple names to mention that'll be involved so i'm excited about that i gotta read up in that uh see what that showcase is all about but that's a lot of uh talent that's gonna be there but good to see the devils represented so far next thing is news wise per brad miller this report came out first he's has a podcast called the morning bagger i've never uh i'm not familiar with it but he reported on his twitter account that a handful of nhl guys in arizona tested positive for covid and uh, i believe alex who's at the blog said i bet you it's austin matthews sure enough he was right austin matthews does live in arizona and steve simmons of the toronto sun confirmed that one of those guys that tested positive was austin matthews additionally members of the tampa bay lightning both staff and players a few of them tested positive, so they had to shut down their whole facility and do a deep clean. And the NHL also announced of the 200-plus players they tested during Phase 2, 11 of them were positive for COVID. Now, this is – you're not going to avoid people testing positive even when they return to play, but it's not funny, but it's crazy how things work out, how they're finally getting closer to play, and you see all these positive cases coming out, but – I'm sure you guys agree with me. This is inevitable inevitable that people are going to test positive, whether you like it or not. Yep. Yep. It's the world we live in right now. So, yep. So uh, moving on to the next, Nico, he did a really cool interview with uh, the devil's, beat writer amanda stein will link the article slash video after the pod on our devil armies cast page on twitter basically um just caught up with nico so i was doing i'm sure a lot of people saw that nico he is actually doing a swiss army program all swiss citizens citizens of switzerland are required to go through military training it's an 18-week program and he is getting out of the way now Mm -hmm. um he's 
in the army athlete program. So he's been able to skate and work out, which is great. He said, this is a great way to keep in shape because at first he was having kind of a hard time just cause he was limited in the equipment he had, but now he's all the equipment available that, um, through this army training program. So it's really good to hear. It's a crazy thing. I wasn't familiar with the policy yeah. that Switzerland has over there. That's but, a good um, point too, because you can do like all the, uh, dry land sprints, weightlifting, you can do everything you want and it, it will never ever do what skating does for you. Like I, I've I've had off seasons where I've done tons of sprints, tons of weightlifting. First two or three days back at training camp, I'm still winded when I shouldn't be. <laughs> so it's it's a whole different animal skating. Yeah, so it's good to hear that he's sure staying in shape, and that's a cool story over there. How he's uh, playing in the NHL uh, NHL league one one uh at one time then he moves over and he's training with the swiss army but uh that's a fun little story like i said we'll post it to our page if you guys haven't seen it yet and the last part of news i want to touch on is reported by the athletic that during the negotiations of the third and fourth stages of the return to play plan between the nhl and the nhlpa the two sides have also been discussing extending the current cba um hey MLB, take notes here. Look, look how productive you could be when you're negotiating between the, uh, the players' association and the league. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think you just I got them in like a situation where the players and the owners aren't getting along, which used to happen in the NHL, but not so much anymore. So yeah. So uh, that's all I got for news wise. You guys see anything cool pop up or anything, or nothing much? Nothing much, really. I mean, I see more news about baseball than. Uh, than, than hockey except for uh you know what happened in tampa recently uh and teams kind of getting teams and fans kind of getting concerned about how this is going to work going forward still so yeah all right good stuff so we'll move on to the next segment as i said we're going to speak about our opinions on who we think should be the next captain of the new jersey devils so i'm gonna start out and give a little history about the devil's sea as well as why it's currently vacant and as we all know it is because andy green the last captain of your new jersey devils was traded to the islanders for a second round pick um pat on the back to you tom fitzgerald for pulling that off mm-hmm. so Devils, of course, after this trade, was without the ca- uh, without a captain for the rest of the season, and currently don't have one now. Um, there hasn't been any announcements or really points any pointing to when a captain will be made uh, named. So, just a little history background on the captain, some little fun facts I found. So, Don Lever was the first captain in New Jersey Devils history. He played from 1982 to 1984. Corey, does that name ring a bell? Is it, is it lever or lever? I think uh, it's good. No, trying to think. No, it's not, it's not familiar to me. I have to look it up. Yeah, so uh, it's spelled L E V E R. Um, like I said, I'm really bad at okay. pronouncing names, but um, <laughs> no, that's yeah, a tricky one. A, if it's lever, that's that's a tricky one to kind of figure out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was the first captain in Devils history. I think I saw he played center, and he played for the team from '82 to '84. In history, the Devils have had 11 captains, six of which have been forwards, and five of which have been defensemen. The longest tenured of those was no other than Scott Stevens, who is the captain for 12 seasons. And the last three captains of your Devils was Andy Green for the last three and a quarter, three and a half years. Before that, Bryce Salvador was captain for three years, and Zach Grise was a captain for one year. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, also the youngest captain in team history was Kirk Mueller. He's 21 years old, and this happened in 1987. He ended up wearing the C for four years. Good old Keep Kirk in Mueller. mind this little, yep. Keep in mind this little tidbit about the Devils' youngest captain here as we uh, start talking about who we think uh, should be the Devils' next captain. So we're going to give our opinions now. We're going to give our top two candidates, and we'll go around and get everyone's top two candidates. And then after that, we're going to give our little uh, dark horse candidate and any honorable mention. So I'm going to throw this over to Chris first. Uh, Chris, who's your top two candidates? Uh, my top two, I got uh, Zajac number one. And then number two, I'll lean towards Nico. I have like two people that I kind of have at the same level for number two, but I'll, I'll lean towards Nico. But my first, my first choice or guess would be Travis Ajak. Gotcha. Why? Uh, why do you say it's Ajak? He's. I think he's the most experienced in terms of that organization. Um, with how long he's been there, I think he's, he's a great voice in the locker room. He's. Uh, I mean, he's. He's basically played every level that you would want. Uh, he he's been to a cup final. Um, he's been there during the glory days before we ended up not making the playoffs and being a part of that. Um, and he's great on defensive faceoffs. I mean, his play is great all around. I mean, he uh, he doesn't want to leave. I know that for a fact. He's excited about the future. He wants to basically stay with the team. And uh, I feel like he kind of best exemplifies not just a captain but the the Devils in, in general right now. Yeah, so uh, the only thing – I totally agree. I have Zajac as an honorable mention, one of my honorable mentions, but um, his contract's up after this year. So Yeah, that, that's true. Like this, so that's the only thing. I mean, if he resigned for a couple years, I could totally see that, but um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he's brought back. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it depends because we gave Zach the – we gave Parise the captaincy like going into his free agency year, but yeah, Parise was more point. in his prime. So. Yeah, great point. Corey, who do you have for your top two? So I struggled with when and went back and forth, but I got my top is Nico and my second is Palms. Gotcha. Um, so Nico, do you think you, him being a young kid, do you think he'd be able to handle it? Yeah, I think so. I think this past year he's definitely proved himself a leader. I think he's definitely stepped himself up on the ice and both in the locker room. He seems like he has a little bit more of a of a presence in the, in the media interviews and the post game interviews and everything. Um, and on top of that, I mean, you can just see his leadership outside of the locker room too, especially with what he's doing right now. I mean, I understand like he's definitely he's mandated to do this right now. He has to do it right now. But just the fact that he took the the opportunity right now with COVID and everything going on right now, it's like let me go get this hammer out of the way so I can get back to focus on hockey, you know, for the rest of my life. So I don't know. Like I think the fact that the Devils have him locked up for so long right now, the fact that he has improved so much as a player since they drafted him, I just think that he's kind of the perfect fit. You see, there's a lot of a trend now with teams, you know, making younger their younger players or younger star players their captains. Not only saying that they, you that's the reason why you do it, but if he has all the qualities of a captain plus has that on top of it, why not give him the C? Yeah, that's a lot of great points, and I'm going to talk about that when I talk about my parts right now. So number one for me is Kyle Palmieri. He's a Jersey boy. He grew up in Jersey, um, so now he's playing for his home team, which I think would be pretty cool. He's been wearing the A for a while now, and most Devils captains have been guys that are a little bit more seasoned, um, have a little more experience behind them. Palmieri's 29 years old, and he has 561 games under his belt. He also has played in 38 playoff games, so he has a bit of experience there. Um, when you, I, I don't know if you guys get this vibe as well, but just listen to his post-game interviews, the way he talks. It feels like a way a leader talks. Um, I don't know if that could just be me making stuff yeah. up. but to No, me, I agree. He was uh, yeah. my second guy with Nico. So. 
That's why I was torn between him and Nico. It's just because the Palms possesses a lot of the, the same qualities. And like you said, he's got the tenure with the Devils. He's got the playoff experience. It's just I'm, I was thinking more of long-term going forward, especially with how long they've got Nico locked up for right now. Yeah, of course. And that's what I'm going to end me talking about. Paul Marion is he only has another year on his contract, much like Zajac. I will probably talk about this down the road. We won't get into it right now, but I am such a proponent of having Kyle Palmieri back. I know he's going to 29 years old and he's going to be commanding a bigger raise because he's a great goal scorer mm-hmm. and you're probably going to, have to pay him until he's at least 34, 35. But the Jersey boy, the the offense he possesses, the the voice in the locker room, they got to bring the man back. And I think if they do, he'd be the best fit to yeah. wear the next C. And my number two choice, as you guys both have mentioned, is Nico Hishier. Um, if you go on Twitter, he's the fan favorite to be captain. And also, um, I have a quote here in that interview he did with Stein. He was actually asked about the captainship. Um, I'll find the quote and I'll read it to you guys in a second. But uh, basically, my argument for Nico is he's locked down for the next seven years. And Corey, that's what you said before, right? Yeah. How he's yep. here yeah. for the long term. Yep. He's locked down for the next seven years. He's only 21 years old, and he's been uh, this year. He alternated wearing the A on his sweater, and that's mm-hmm. pretty good as a 21 year old. So you know he's definitely on good consideration. He's a two way player, gets it on both ends. Yes, he's probably going to connect. He's going to connect with probably a lot more of the younger prospects coming through too as, as a leader. You know, like there's going to be a little bit that's of a great. with some of the younger guys and and some of the older guys who are still on the roster, especially these guys who are entering their young 30s and everything like that. You get a young captain on the roster, there's going to be a little bit better of a connection between him and the prospect. Yeah, that's an absolutely great, like, tremendous point that I didn't even think about. Um, But, yeah, awesome, awesome point, Corey. Um, For me, I'm not a fan of the younger captain, but I totally see how that would work out. I've always been a guy that likes to see the older guy captain. And I think the Devils agree in that area because, I mean, they had Bryce Salvador as their captain. And Bryce was, what, 35 years old when he took over the captain to see. And Andy Green was another captain, longer tenure devil. And he was also up there, saw a lot. Um, So I have the quote now. Um, Amanda Stein asked he sure about potentially being the next captain. I'm getting this straight off Twitter from Amanda Stein's account. He should respond with, that's a big, big thing. Obviously, I wouldn't say no, but I think at the end of the day, I'm still a young player. Still got a lot of way to go and still a lot of things that I don't know yet and that need to learn. So that's a great response. Mm -hmm. He seems like a great kid and he always knows how to say the right things. Yeah. Um, But he has a point how he still has a lot to learn, but... I don't know. I don't think you'd go wrong with either Paul Mary, Heeshear, and of course, I think Zay Jack's another uh, good candidate yeah. there. Yeah, so we'll get into our dark horse. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into the dark horse now. Corey, your dark horse, who would you say? Uh, anyway, it was Zay Jack. Zay Jack, yeah. Um, and we talked about Zay Jack with Chris, how uh, he said yeah. older. And, and I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris, who do you have as a dark horse candidate? Um, I mean, I don't see it happening. I could see him being an assistant, but Subban would be a dark horse. Yeah, because I, I have you know, he's had leadership yeah. experience before. Yeah, I, I thought I thought about him. Yeah, he's an honorable mention of mine. He seems like he's a great voice in the locker mm-hmm. room, and of course, um, in the media and stuff. Yeah, he's people great. love him. Um, he's got a good personality. Yeah, did, was he a captain in? I don't think he was no, a captain was, in Montreal. No. 
I know. I can't remember his face. I think he might have been an assistant both in Montreal and Nashville. Yeah, who the who's uh Montreal's captain? Andre Markov well, was Gianta for a while. I gotta check. I I want to say Andre Markov, but I don't think he ever was. I don't know. Was it oh, was it Patcheretti? It was Patcheretti. That's who it was. And then he got traded to Vegas. I gotta. I'm gonna look it up as uh, as I'm talking here. But um, my money's on Patcheretti for Montreal at least. Hang on a second. Now I gotta look. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, you had so, Yossi or Mike Fisher, and then Yossi in Nashville. Gosh, darn it. Okay, so I don't, I don't know if you guys heard me there, but the Devils can always pull at the Sabres pull. Since you mentioned Gianta earlier, the Devils can always pull at the Sabres pulled with their home captain and away captain, where they pulled the Steve Ott and Vanek there. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Ott being a captain of a hockey team kind of baffles me, but um, I mean, the, so the, the, the Sabres did it. Is that any surprise to you? Oh <laughs> uh, no! But, um, all right, so the the results are in. Brian Gianta was a captain for a while. I think when you guys mentioned. P.K. Subban wore the A for a short time there. He only wore it for two years. Max Pacioretty was the guy. Um, you're right, Chris. And Shea Weber wore it. Um, he wears it now. the current captain. Yeah, yeah he wears it now. But good call, Chris. I don't know why I thought Markov. Markov's on here as a system. No, that's a, he's a he's a fan favorite in Montreal. Or has yeah, been. So. He, he just officially retired not that long ago, yeah. too. Which I thought yeah, was he's been a fun. fan favorite up there. Yeah. So my Dark Horse candidate, who I actually talked about in the group chat we have here, as well as I thought, Chris, you were going to mention him, but mine, Dark Horse Canada, I'm sure Devils fans I want to hear is Damon Severson. Yeah, I thought of him. Um, Devils love. What? I actually thought of Severson too. As much as I used to rag on him lately, he's he's, he's got on my good side, and I actually considered him for my Dark Horse, believe it or not. <laughs> there we go. So, uh, yeah, Severson for me, Devils love their defensive captains. As you saw, the Bright Salvador and the uh, Andy Green captain trip, and Scott Niedermeyer actually wore the C for one season and Scott Stevens wore it forever. But Severson is by far the devil's best all around defenseman. If they want to go that route, he is a bit deceased um, as well. He's already played 430 career games, which is kind of crazy because he's still uh, pretty young and he's been through it all. He's been through the, uh, he was there when the devils were really bad and he's been through the rebuild currently. He was on that team that went through the playoffs two years ago. But, um, yeah, he's been through it all. But I'm unsure of how he is in the locker room, and he is a little younger. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't see this happening, but I could tease my dark horse guy. And my honorable mentions were uh, P.K. Subban and Travis Ajak, as we've already talked about. But, um, yeah, this was a fun little – Don't ask what you mentioned about, like, you and the Devils liking their older captains. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Salvador was selected as captain while Lou was still GM right yeah yeah so yeah that's a great point that it was a Lou thing with the younger cap and he was just right. coming off that yeah. cup run too Salvador right. was you can, you can almost like look at it this way as back then the captaincy was what could have been given to Andy Green back then as well so it's like the next captaincy you kind of can almost look at it, it was kind of owed to Andy Green a little bit and that's why he could have kind of gotten it that's just my personal opinion on it so no, yeah, you're definitely right. When Lou was around, um, he had a special way of doing things, and he was always for, I think, in the mindset of older guys with the captain that have seen it all. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's a great point. Um, all right, that was a cool little segment. People, you guys listening, let us know um, who you think, your opinion on new captain. I think we're going to see a lot of Nico Hishio responses, but um, that's just me. Uh, I'm we'll a bet on, on What? I'm a bet we see a lot of Zajac responses. 
Yeah, it just also comes down to like who's going to be on the team in the next few years. Do they want to yeah. give a captainship to a guy who might be gone like Isaiah Jack or Paul Mary? So that's going to be interesting. Who knows if they even name one for next year? You've seen the teams go years without naming a captain. They just stay with the three alternates. But, yeah, um, look at the Leafs. Put up a poll. Yeah, we can do that too. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, Maybe go through a poll. But um, all right, we're moving on. Corey, it's your segment, Donuts and Dynasties. Throw us some history. So, yeah, so today I figured being, you know, Father's Day and everything, we're going to talk about what kind of got me into hockey, which was my dad. I don't know if you guys have any connection with hockey and your dad or not, but my dad was a big part of what got me into hockey and what got me into being a Devils fan, especially. Um, it, uh, it all started when I was a little kid. I was in elementary school. Um, my school was invited to the Albany River at the inaugural season, a home opener to sing the national anthem. So that was kind of a really <laughs> cool experience to be there and do that. Um, cool. So got there and, uh, and I did that. And like, I knew nothing about hockey at all and really knew that my dad, my dad was actually a big football fan at the time. And um, so it was really, really cool to get there and like experience like hockey for the first time. Um, you know, like whenever you're a kid and you go to like big events like that, you go to sporting events, you go to movie theater and you're like with your class with school, nobody pays attention to what's going on. They just kind of goof around with their friends and everything else, talking with your buddies and whatnot. But I was locked into the game. I fell in love with it. And the, uh, the very next weekend, my dad was like, Hey, you want to go check out another game? So we bought tickets to games the, the next weekend. And it, we just, we kind of fell in love after that. And I ended up having season tickets to my dad for, 24 years in Albany and that was just kind of a, a big part of what got me into being uh, a, a hockey fan a Devils fan in general got to see a lot of history there um, I think one of the coolest moments was when I got to see the Calder Cup suspended from the ceiling of the arena they put it in a glass box and then dropped it down from the ceiling of the arena I thought that That's was really pretty cool yeah yeah it was kind of a really unique way to celebrate a team winning a championship but it was really really neat um, it was just really really cool what, what got me into hockey back then and and yeah, so I don't know if you guys have any history with, with your dads or any family members or relatives or anything that got you into hockey especially, but I just thought about my dad with being Father's Day and everything like that and what got me to being a Devils fan and being a hockey fan. No, that's a really cool story. That's awesome to hear. Uh, Chris, if you want to go first, and I'll tell a little bit about yeah, my story sure. and how I so, got um, my, my dad never uh, played hockey growing up, and uh, he, uh, I, I guess um, – I was like six when I started playing. So that's like right around the time you can start having memories and stuff. Um, And I remember him helping me tie my skates and stuff like that. Um, He was like a wrestler and and played football in high school. Um, And I still did football in high school and stuff. But I remember him tying my skates and stuff like that. And first time I I stepped on the ice, I actually did not fall over and I was comfortable skating. It was this weirdest thing. And I was very happy about it at six years old. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, he supported me through all sports. And then eventually when I focused on hockey, he kept supporting me through there. So um, I think it was just, you know, New Jersey was at the time when I was growing up. I mean, uh, I was born in 94, so I was, like, growing up while the Devils were, like, top dog, you know. Um, so uh, he really kind of impressed that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was definitely very supportive um, there for basically almost all my games. Um, and that, that, I guess that's kind of how I got into it. Gotcha. No, that's awesome. good stuff. Yeah, for me, my dad, uh, like you said, Chris, um, well, I didn't play hockey growing up. I got more into it as a fan uh, Mm -hmm. rather than playing it. But it was more my uncle, my dad, really. And we were, me and my dad were more football 
sports like that. Mm -hmm. But my uncle got me into hockey. He's a absolutely huge Devils fan. Took me into my first game um, a while ago. I got hockey in the hockey a little later than most. Uh, I was born in 98, so I'm young and in the group. But uh, I think I really started getting the hockey around like 2008, maybe like 2007. Yeah. uh, So that would make me what? 12 years old something like that mm. uh but yeah for me it's my uncle he got me into it took me to games we still go to games went on back with college so yeah that's uh my story but this was a cool little segment to do especially pertaining it to father's day and how father's day is today the day of recording but of course it'll be released tomorrow but yeah Corey, you have anything else to add on your little donuts and dynasty segment for the week or are we all set no that's no, that pretty much it i figured i'd keep it short and sweet with the holiday this week Yep. No, good stuff. All right. Now we'll move to the next segment and we're going to be discussing the devil's goaltending situation, a situation that has seemingly stricken the team the past however many years. But um, so currently it stands Mackenzie Blackwood, I feel like by far has established himself as the team's number one and a solid number one in the NHL and his save percentage the past two seasons has Mm -hmm. said this as it's been above average. So um, I think he's by far the team's number one and that's not a question. The question arises when you look at the backup role for me. And I think you guys are all agree. We'll get to your opinions in a second. How Corey Schneider has shown again and again, he is no longer a reliable option for this role. Um, and if you look at the rest of the options in-house, you have Gilly Sen, who was the AHL goaltender this year, who had a resurrection the second part of the season, was awful to start the season, ended up turning out pretty well to end the season, but he's still not NHL ready. He's going to be the AHL or NHL ready. He's going to be the AHL Binghamton's number one next year and he'll continue to develop down there. Kira Schmid, as I think we talked about him last episode or two episodes ago, he played in the USHL last year and he struggled. He's not even I'm sure we'll see him in the AHL this year, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't go all that great given how he didn't do so well in the USHL. He's still a few years away from possibly even being involved in the NHL. We gotta see how he develops. And the last option on the roster currently is Evan Cormier. And he spent the season in the AHL as well as a large part of it in the ECHL. So in-house, to me, the Devils don't have any options for the backup. Um, do you guys agree here? Do you think they have to go out of house for a backup option here? I think you do. Um, I yeah. think that, you know, outside of Schneider, you don't really have anyone who's ready for the pro level, even as a backup. Um, and, you know, you always want to keep developing your players, whether they're projected to be, you know, all-stars or barely crack the the lineup i mean get uh, jesper brad as an example um right late round pick usually those guys they're not projected to really make the nhl and yet he's one of our most dynamic players so i think they kind of have to just because no one is ready for that nhl experience even as a backup in the system yeah and you saw how bad how important a backup goaltender is um yeah. this year especially because and even the year prior the devil's goaltending was just a mess and that largely had to do with they didn't have a true number two because blackwood two years ago came out and showed he could be a thing but that wasn't until later in the season mm-hmm. and they had no answer when he wasn't playing Corey, yeah. how about you you think they got to go out of house I this is this is where I think the Devils are caught between a rock and a hard place right now because it's like definitely you have to give Blackwood the reins at this point he needs to have the number one spot on the team um, but you, like you said there's really nobody at this point for lack of a better term worthy to back them up but at the same time the Devils goaltender prospect pool has gotten a lot better than what it used to be 
So I, but I'm hoping that they don't have to move any of that in order to obtain somebody else. Because I think what they've done right now was really smart at the AHL level. They actually picked up an AHL goaltender who's younger, who can pick up a lot of the slack. They don't have to keep signing these old guys to one- and two-year contracts on the team. They've got a young goaltender. They can feed the other prospects to the pipeline a lot faster and get them up into New Jersey faster and get them, you know, get them a lot more playing time and everything than, than what they've had to do with having to sign all these older veterans to one- and two-year contracts. Like They signed Zane McIntyre to an AHL contract in Binghamton, and he's going to be perfect for them, for them to be able to do that. So, yes, I do agree they need to go outside and they need to get somebody to back up um, – back up Blackwood right now. I'm just hoping it's not going to come at the expense of having to get rid of some of the goaltenders they've picked up so far. Yeah, so Zane McIntyre, he was, of course, acquired. It was a one-for-one deal um, with the Canucks, right? It was with the Canucks. They sent Louis Domingue. Um, I just looked it up because I wanted to confirm, but McIntyre is a free agent now. Um, He actually – yeah, he, he played really well. I think his save percentage was something silly because he only played a few games, but the few games he did play, he was really solid. Yeah, he, but he, he was, is he a free agent. He was impressive with their farm club in Utica, with the, the Vancouver's farm club in Utica. He was really impressive there. Yeah, he's only 27 years old, and we're going to get to a segment a little bit where we discuss pending Devils free agents on whether or not we think we should bring uh, they should bring them back. But yeah, so McIntyre is a free agent, so I just wanted to – just keep that in yeah, mind. I, 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 I had no idea. <laughs> I no, you're all good. For, I thought they had him for at least another year or two. No, yeah. So he's expired. So we'll see if they bring him back. Okay. So you mentioned possibly a trade. You don't want to see them lose assets to bring someone in. So the trade market in terms of goalies, I think, is pretty thin. And I don't think it's very necessary. The Devils don't really have the assets to go about making a trade. No. Um, like that, and they can't make a trade for another Louis Domingue and expect that right. to fill a backup role. They would need right. to give up a pretty good assets to get a decent backup. And the only names that come to mind are the Rangers jog, uh, log jam they have right now, the Alexander Georgiev. Um, they have that stellar kid that came up this year and just showed that he's going to be a force to be reckoned with once uh, Lundqvist retires. But Georgiev is a name, and besides that, no other names really came to mind via trade. And I just don't think that's an option for them, given the assets they have. Their draft picks are kind of lacking this year. If they address it, which they need to, it's got to be through free agency. I think you guys would agree there. Yeah, for sure. I don't see them trading for Georgiev or anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I... I went deep diving into the free agency class, and believe it or not, it is a stellar goaltending class. Um, really? Not specifically starters, but what the Devils are looking for. Yeah. So some names that are out there, uh, Anton Kadobin, Robin Leonard, uh, Brain, Braden Holpe, Cam Talbot, Jacob Markstrom, Thomas Grice, um, and then there's more Aaron Dell. There, there's a decent amount out there. but So... I Talbot, say those Markstrom, names. and Grice stuck out to me on that list. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go and go into these guys a little in depth now. Um, Anton Kadobin had a 930 save percentage this year. He did really, really well. He's 34 years old, though. But keep in mind, he'll be a backup. A deal for this type of backup is only a year or two. Um, probably just one year. I wouldn't see any more than that. He was backing His up nine- uh, Bishop in Dallas this year, right? 
Yeah, he was behind Bishop, and then before this is Dallas stint, he was over in Boston. He was playing yeah. behind Tuca, and he was also putting up great numbers. He had nine twenty uh, nine twenty three save percentage two years ago, and nine thirteen save percentage the year before that. Another name I mentioned was Robin Leonard, who had a nine twenty save percentage in Vegas this year. But for me, and you guys could speak on this as well. Um, the Devils, I see Robin Leonard more as a starter, like a, a number one goaltender. And the Devils aren't looking for a number one. They're looking for like a 1B type or yeah. a backup to match with McKenzie. And I feel like the money that Leonard's going to command, because he didn't really get paid when he signed his contract. He bounced around. He went to Chicago, yeah. then he went to Vegas, but he signed with Chicago. Yeah. And I think it was only for $5 million. And I feel like he's going to be commanding a little bit more money come this year because he's – He's a starter. He's established himself as a starter. Yeah, he's been you, up. you know he's going to want. He's going to want a number one spot wherever he's going. So, <laughs> yeah, and the Devils aren't looking for that. They're looking for a one no. B uh, backup type. So for me, Robin Leonard's out. I don't. He he would be a great addition, but I feel like the money would be well spent on the defensive end, and rather you get a cheaper guy like a Talbot or Kadobin, and your problems fixed. You don't need a Leonard type that's going to cost more money. So, talking about Cam Talbot, he was in Calgary this year and he had a, a 9.19 save percentage. He rebounded extremely well. He had a 8.92 the year before in Edmonton and Calgary, which was his by far worst year of his career. He's an average, a career average, a 9.15 save percentage, which is well above uh, league average. And he's only 32 years old. So, you could throw a year uh, to a little bit more term at Talbot and – Talbot and Mackenzie Blackwood combo does it for me. I think that'd be a stellar combo. Um, you guys have any opinions about Cam Talbot? Yeah, I I would definitely be fine with Talbot. Um, I think I mentioned Markstrom stuck out to me. That's just kind of know he played well. I think he's in a similar situation as Leonard. He's not looking for like a backup yeah. or a one B kind of thing. He's looking for starter money. Yeah, I feel like I Vancouver I, will try and retain him too. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, Vancouver does have uh, that kid Thatcher Demeco. He's been yeah, in the system. Demko. He's been playing for uh, Utica. He played in the NHL this year too, and put he up struggled good a little bit early. I think when Markstrom was hurt. Yeah, I think I'm gonna look it up while we're talking, but I'm pretty sure rebounded actually put up pretty good numbers. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what ends up happening with Markstrom because as we were talking about last episode on awards, I, I would not have been a bit surprised if he gets some Vesna votes. Uh, he he was tremendous this year and one of the reasons why Vancouver played so well. So back to Demeco or however you say his last name, he had a nine oh five save percentage, which isn't all that great, but you said he started out really poorly, so maybe he turned around towards the end of the season, but he had a nine thirteen in the limited role the previous season. But I think he's gonna be their starter going forward. Yeah, so he could be he's very highly touted. Um, so a little more on Mark showing he's a 30-year-old, and I do have in my notes he may want starter money as we discussed, so that would be something to look at. And uh, before that, he had a 9-12 in the previous two seasons. So he's definitely a really solid player, and I think he would – out of the list I said, I think him and Leonard are by, by far the top two. And you could add Braden Holpe to the list, but Holpe really struggled this year. But I think Markstrom's up there as the best uh, goaltender in this year's free agency class. Um, Thomas Grice is another guy and the last guy I want to talk about um, before we move on but uh, he had a 9.13 save percentage this year and he had a 9.27 the year before with the Islanders 
Um, he had a rough 27-18 season, but before that, he was putting up great numbers, 9-13, 9-25. He's a career 9-15, save percentage guy. He's 34 years old, so um, <clears throat> excuse me, like Dobin, if he signs with the Devils, it would be like a one-year contract, but Grice would be more than a great option to have behind Mackenzie Blackwood, and you also get that veteran presence behind a younger guy. So uh, <sighs> for me, my rankings of who I want to see back up or be on the Devils – goaltending with uh, a duo of Blackwood. My number one choice is Markstrom, number two Kadobin, number three Grice, and my last guy who I'd also be very happy with is Cam Talbot. You guys have anything else to add in terms of uh, free agency goaltenders or any other options to address the uh, backup situation? I think my list is pretty similar to yours. I mean, Talbot yeah. would stick out to me. Yeah, Talbot was my top choice. So. You got Talbot top. All right. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. So last thing we're going to talk about before we move on to uh, my little prospect corner is we're going to discuss what in God's name should the Devils do with Corey Schneider. Uh, (laughs) Like we mentioned, he is just – it's a shame. The injuries, whatever happened to him, he just doesn't have it anymore. And he's slated to make $6 million in the next two years, and then he'll be off the Devils' books. So, Chris, what in God's name does do the Devils do with Corey Schneider? I mean, it's interesting. I don't think they would buy him out, to be honest. Um, okay. I, I think. Yeah, I'll, given, I'll get that in a second. I, I think for me, based off the fact that, uh, like I said in a previous podcast episode, um, I'm going into this next season whenever it starts with like a New York Mets fan kind of mentality um, that I'm used to. Um, I don't expect the Devils to necessarily make the playoffs this following season. I think they have a chance to. Uh, I don't think they're like completely out of it. And I think that could be something where it's like, all right, well, maybe keep Schneider. I mean, the other thing is it's just a lot of money to move. I think if they move him, it'll have to be in a trade. They'll have to eat a lot of the cap. Um, And anyone you trade him to is probably going to be trying to bargain hunt, basically, you know, like buy low on him and hope that he just outperforms. Yeah. Um, Corey, what do you think? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I feel horrible for Schneider still. But, yeah. um, but at this point, no, I agree with Chris. I don't, I don't think they buy him out. Um, but at the same time, it's like, who, who can you possibly move him to? Like, who's going to be willing to take on that, that last chunk of his contract that he has left, you know, obviously wherever he's going to go, he's going to be in a situation where he's probably not going to get much playing time either. It's, it's any team that's going to take him on right now. is just going to be for the sake of possibly filling the cap, but it's, uh, it's tough. It's a tough situation to put him in. I mean, especially since, you know, what he's been through with the team and, and, you know, how I feel like, you know, he did kind of not fully, but he kind of bounced back a little bit at the end of the year. I mean, he started to prove himself again down in Binghamton and, and it's like, I know it's, this isn't a realistic situation, but Hey, you know, get him to stick around and to hang out in Binghamton, but obviously you can't pay a goaltender $6 million to hang out in the AHL for two years. So it's, yeah, exactly. uh, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's tough. It's, it's really, really tough. And like I, said, I, I feel for the guy and, and and I, I honestly don't know what the devils do with this one. I, but I, I don't, I don't see a buyout happening. That I don't see happening. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So um, I'll go in depth right now about a buyout. So this is what it would look like, and this is courtesy of this information I grabbed from the uh, Cap Geek buyout calculator. Shout out to Cap Geek. They've done a really, really. They have a lot of really good tools and stuff you could use. So hop on there if you want to play with this type of thing. But if the devils are to buy out Corey Schneider. They would pay him two million for the next four years, um, and keep in mind his contract, as it stands, is six million for the next two. So you would save four million the next two seasons, 
And then after that, you would be out two million the following two seasons. You guys get what I'm saying? Is that too yep. complicated? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. So that's the deal. So if they did it, the first two seasons, you would be saving money. You'd be saving a decent amount of money. You'd be saving four million. But then you got to keep in mind you're paying him two million dollars when he's not even on the team in 2022 and 2023. Those two seasons. So that's mm-hmm. what a great, uh, buyout would look like. And when I think about a buyout, I think it's definitely going to be in play. But you think what the Devils' current situation is around their salary cap and their books look like? I think they could stand to pay the guy six million for the next two years. I mean, it would it take them below down. the cap floor? Why, if they let go of them? No, I'm not too worried about that. I think. Um, well, they have to they stay could, above it, though. Yeah, but you could go below it, and then you sign other players, and that'll yeah. fix that. Yeah, you, you know? could. Yeah, I don't think that's as big as a concern, but that's definitely something they got to worry about. But buying out's tricky because you got to think: is the team? really need to do that right now like are they in a situation like a toronto or tampa bay that they need the money now they're not so they could really pay him the six million the next two years but the only issue is is where the heck do you put the guy Mm -hmm. you don't want to keep him on an nhl roster because he showed again and again he's no longer a backup option but you don't really want to send him down to binghamton either because you have young goaltenders down there that need to develop you have gailey sand you have evan cormier Mm -hmm. and you have Akir Schmidt, if he's in the AHL or not next year. Yeah. Maybe he could serve that type of veteran role and have Schneider down there because AHL, for the most part, they carry three goaltenders, right, Corey? Yeah. So, yeah, they, um, they, they, only, they only dress two for the game, but they yeah. carry three on the roster. Yep. So, um, you could do that and you'd have like a Schneider and a San Cormier or a San Schmidt trio next year, which I think is very possible. And they did that some this year. Yeah. The only um, thing, and this this is a completely unrealistic situation, and I never see this happening. But the only thing you could possibly do if you put Schneider down in Binghamton is to send one of the other prospects off to another team as a loaner, because you can do that in the American Hockey League. As long as your player has has an American Hockey League contract or if they're a prospect in the American Hockey League, they can be loaned to other teams. That's the only way that that would possibly work in order to give like the players the adequate amount of playing time. Like back a couple of years ago, there's a player um, who was with Chicago. Um, no, sorry, with Anaheim. He was Corey Trop. I don't know if you guys heard of him or not. Um, he actually ended up being loaned to the Devils and then put on the Albany Devils and played with them, even though he was under contract with Anaheim. When he got traded from Anaheim to Chicago, they had to pull him out and send him to Chicago. That's the only way that that situation would ever really realistically work out is if, in order to get all of their players adequate playing time. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really good point, and um, believe it or not, I for some reason I saw a Keith Kincaid post on Twitter, and I was intrigued because I saw in his bio that he was he's with he's with the Canadians right now, correct? Yeah, I think he Is got the demoted though to like the AHL. I want to fact check this because in his bio it said a team that. I is not related to Canadian. So in his bio, it said the Charlotte Checkers, which is the HL Philly. Charlotte uh, Checkers, yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes. He didn't go to Charlotte. He's on loan. He's on loan, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a situation you were just talking about. He's a part of the Montreal Canadian, but he was on loan to the Charlotte Checkers. 
before the play stoppage. But yeah, that's a great option. I didn't even think about that. That's another great point, Corey. But um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what they end up doing. And Corey Trop, I was actually at a Blue Jackets Penguins game. And Corey Trop scored this like crazy goal. And I'm looking at it right now. It's on YouTube if you want to look it up. But you said that name and I automatically thought it it was just a stunning goal. And it was just funny that you said Corey Trop. I wanted the Devils to find a way to lock him up because he was stellar at Albany. You go look at his stats on the Albany Devils. It was insane for him. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just crazy you mentioned him. Yeah, he's still in the HL. I think he's with the goals now out west. But um, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's he's back. He's back with the the duck system. Yeah, but no, that's funny you mentioned him. And I thought Corey Trout, that name's familiar. And sure enough, he was the guy that scored this absolutely stunner goal. It's probably like his only NHL goal, and I was in attendance for it in Columbus. But all right, yeah, good stuff. It'll be interesting to see what the Devils do with Schneider and their backup situation. But I think the free agency is definitely the right track to address that issue. And whether it's a buyout or he sits in the HL this year and helps the younger guys develop, we shall see. So as I said, I'm going to talk about three prospects tonight. I'm going to speak about Alexander Hertz, Jack Quinn, and Roni Heener-Vinen. I'll start out with Holtz, as many may be hearing him as the best goal scorer in the draft, and his goal scoring abilities are no joke, as I'll talk about in a second here. So I wrote a profile and examined him very early on. I think the profile dates back late April. So I've had a change feeling on him and more stuff's came out on him, but this is what I have for him right now. He's a Swedish right winger and he has a decent frame. He's listed as six foot 183 pounds. He played junior hockey, his whole junior hockey career in Sweden, his home country. And he specifically played the past two seasons for the super elite league, which is their, um, my, uh, not minor league, it's their junior hockey league. And he also played in the SHL, which is a Swedish top league. In his draft of minus one season, he played in the Super Elite and he had 30 goals in 38 games. So, yeah, his scoring ability is no joke. Yeah. This season, he moved up to the SHL and only had 16 points, nine of which were goals in 35 games. But keep in mind, SHL, you're it's your professional men's league, and it's one of the best in the whole entire world um, behind the NHL. A lot of quality players play there. He was playing in a fourth-line role. I think he got brief power play time, but he was only playing about 10 minutes a night, so he wasn't really getting a lot of ice time. But he still had 16 points, 35 games, 9 goals, so still pretty good showing. As for his actual abilities, his strength is no doubt his goal-scoring abilities. He has the best shot in this draft, and – best goal scoring abilities in the draft he has all the tools to be an elite sniper at the next level um his shot it's accuracy it's speed his willingness to find open areas on the ice helps mm-hmm. a lot with him putting the puck in the back of the night he's just really smart good hockey iq good vision yeah in the offensive end <laughs> i'll talk about his defense in a little bit but, but, um, yeah, well, I'll talk about it. It's uh, it's not as bad as you think it is, but it's definitely something he has to work on. His uh, Another strength is his production in juniors is great. As I said, in the Super League, he had 30, 30 goals or 38 games, which is just craziness because the Super Elite, it's the top uh, juniors league in uh, Sweden. Sweden has good hockey system over there. 
Um, <clears throat> he also did really good internationally in the last World Junior Championship. He had five points in seven games. So uh, his weaknesses, stuff he has to work on, is his defense as a work in progress, specifically because of his positioning and awareness in this end. And, of course, this stuff will just come as age. I think he'll uh, he'll be okay defensively. He's not going to be anything special. Um, his skating is also an area that needs improvement. It's not terrible. He just needs to work on his acceleration and edge work. Um, and, Chris, I know you could talk about this a little bit, how important being able to work on your edges is when you're skating. Yeah, I mean, you, you see those clips of Crosby going around in a circle um, without even moving his feet, really, that, that mohawk turn. I mean, that's a just one example of using your edges to kind of move around. Uh, you'll see it from, like, behind the net. Players will do it to get out in front real quick to try and get a shot off while the goaltender's trying to look behind them to both sides to figure out where it's coming out at. Yeah, uh, and I just got a uh, alert on the score uh, from the score app, and it reads Bordor not interested in GM role. I did see so, that a little bit before as well. Today. So uh, I don't know what the original report is. I guess he was interviewed on. I, yeah, this I think it was an interview radio right now, but um, well, from I'm what like I almost remember, reading the article. Got, but. He got interviewed, and they were asking him about the, a trend that's going on in the NHL with like '90s legends basically becoming GMs of their teams. Okay. So they were like asking him, like, "Do you think that would like would you be interested in that?" And he said, "Honestly, right now, I'm not. In the future, maybe. I think that's basically yeah. what he said. But he said like right now, he's not ready for that kind of position." Yeah, so I'm um, reading straight from the article right now. Um, the the quotes were got from the Hockey News' Matt Larkin. Bertor said, I know what it takes to be a GM. I've been around Doug Armstrong with the St. Louis Blues for a long time and also Lou Lamoureux with the Devils. I'm just not ready for that commitment regardless of whether it would be offered me or not. So, yeah. yeah. A complete 180 on what we were talking about, but I saw that and I thought it would be worth mentioning. But back to Alexander Holtz. Breaking news. So his skating is <laughs> definitely an area where he needs improvement. And like I said, acceleration and his edge work, as Chris mentioned, that's very important. And I feel like this is also a reason why his playmaking skills are all not where they could be. I mean, by no reason are they bad. And he's such an electrical scorer. He really doesn't need to be that good of a playmaker. But, um, yeah, so skating and his defense areas he needs to work on. So early on, I had him really high on my board, and a lot of people do as well. But I have him settled in at eighth, which is so pretty good. It's a very, very tad lower than some. And it's just because I have Cole Perfetti over him, too. I just really love Cole Perfetti. I have Lucas Raymond over him, his countryman. And uh, we'll have a debate once you uh, you guys look into these two prospects a little more about a Lucas Raymond or Alexander Holtz because those are two players that the Devils could be uh, deciding upon. But, um, yeah, for me, That's I That's if have we don't get right number now. one five days from now, baby. Oh, yeah. Keep in mind, set your uh, set your calendars and countdown watches. That's five days from now? I didn't even know that. June 26th. Wow. Time right, flies. Well. That's going to be something we're going to have to be discussing on uh, next week's pod. um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, for me, I have him eighth right now, and he would be great in the red and black. Just the Devils are in desperate need of a goal scorer, and that's exactly what Mr. Holtz is. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the next prospect, Mr. Jack Quinn. Um, He's a six-foot-one, pretty good height, 179-pound winger, one of the older prospects in the draft, which scares people off, which I think is a little of a – a little nonsense, but yeah, he's one of the older guys, uh, prospects in the draft. He's an Ottawa 67er. So these stats I'm about to, uh, read at you could, uh, be a little inflated because of this. And if you guys don't know, the Ottawa, 
Yeah, the Ottawa 67s are this are just a like tremendous OHL team. They're by far the best team in the three Canadian hockey leagues. But so his staff, uh, his stats, his draft minus one season was not pretty, but he played a very limited role. These 67s were so good. He only had 32 points in 61 games. But this season, he absolutely exploded for 89 points in 62 games. 52 of those 89 points were goals. He had, he was a 52 goal scorer in 62 games in one of the top junior leagues in the entire world. So yep. his goal scoring is electric. And his of those 52, 37 of them came at even strength, which was by far the highest in the league. So he wasn't he was benefiting off some power play goals, but a lot of them were even strength, which was great to see. Mm-hmm. Um so since 2010, only eight other players have tallied 52 goals or more in a single OHL season. So that's a pretty good company for Mr. Quinn to be in. So yeah. his strengths and weaknesses, of course, strengths is his goal scoring ability. He's up there with Alexander Holtz is one of the best goal scorers in this draft. It's absolutely stellar. His release, the accuracy, the strength to it, everything. He's a sniper. Um, sniper. Thanks for Could you like cut that and like we could add that now? Oh, yes. That'll like be like a, a permanent sound effect. Part. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, so his stick handling is also terrific. Um, he does a really good job of keeping offensive cycles alive. And that has a lot to do because he is a underrated physical player. He uses that six, one frame to protect pucks and he likes throwing it around. He plays with a physical edge or some clips of him fighting in the, uh, the, uh, the OHL. But, um, it's funny because when you look at the way this kid plays, he's only six foot one. You compare him to someone like Quentin Byfield, who's listed at six foot four. Jack Quinn's the best, more physical player, and it's a shame. I've talked about how Byfield just needs to move more physical with that frame, but that's a story mm-hmm. for another time. Quinn's yeah. also has is described as an above-average defender, so this this kid does it all. He's an above-average defender, has an electric shot, but um, his weaknesses, which I'm going to talk about, are a lot of like what ifs, like not actual pertaining to his ability, but other situations, as you'll see here in a second. Mm. His production is not sustainable. He had a 22% shooting percentage at the OHL and 22%. What's the average? Like 9% at the NHL level or something like that. It's around that area. Mm-hmm. So that 22% shooting percentage will not be the case next year, wherever he plays. And of course, he's an older player in a draft. I don't know if this means a lot to you. It means a lot to other people. Not it's really more on the development side. There, you know, you just think about yeah. it like a car, like what model year you buy, how much you're going to get out of it. And I think yeah, that's, I the, think that's most of the concern is how much development time does he have? So if he's not there yet, like, do I have like two or three years to get him ready, or do I really only have like a, a year? I think that's the main concern. Gotcha. And I totally get that. But does like six months really mean make that big of a difference? Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm sure yeah. that's like what, you know, some people are saying. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. And I, I can see that. But um, and also, I guess you could call this a weakness, but his 60 being on the 67s, it's going to inflate his uh, production. For sure. Just, <laughs> but uh, so production projection. I am much higher on him than others are. I think he's going to be a great goal scorer at the next level. And he showed he could play defensively, so he could do it on both ends. And he'll be good on the power play as a uh, goal scorer. Um, And being older, I guess this is a good thing to hear. A lot of people are describing him as one of the more NHL-ready prospects in the draft. Mm -hmm. And he's probably not going to be selected until outside the top 10. I'm thinking around the area 13-ish. 
he I, I like him in the red and black um goal scorer he fits the need it just works out to where the devil's picks are going to be yeah. like i said he's going to be like mid first rounder so he's not going to be taken with the devil's pick itself maybe the coyotes pick if that drops a little bit and i don't see him being there for the canucks pick which will probably dip into the late teens around 19 but yeah that's jack quinn so we're going to move on to my last prospect, and then we'll get into one more segment before we end this thing off, is uh, Ronnie Hervinen. Um, he's more of the least, ta- uh, one of the more less talked about first-round prospects. He's undersized. He's only five foot nine, 164 pounds, which is a really small prospect. It brings me back to Matthias Tedenby vibes. How tall is he? Like five ten. Back. Yeah, Matthias Tedenby is a really tiny guy, but he's yeah, a finish like, setter. Go Whitney. Go Whitney. <laughs> He's a small kid, but um, now Joe Whitney. Whitney. That was awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, finish center who might actually move to another position at the next level. I'll talk about that later on. Um, he had solid production, the Finn system coming up in their junior hockey league draft minus one season at 55 points in 50 games in the U20 league, and he added 15 more points in 11 playoff games. This year he played in the Liga, which is the Finnish top hockey league, professional league. So this five foot nine, 164 pound, 17, 18 year old was playing against guys twice his age, twice his size. And, and I mean, remember games. who they have coming in in the draft too from uh, Finland, you know, in recent drafts. Yeah. They're becoming so, a little uh, bit of a hockey powerhouse. Yes, exactly. In 52 games, he only had 16 points, five goals, 11 assists. Which, at first, you're like, oh, that's okay. He played against men. But he actually played in the top six role on the team he played on. Uh, He got a decent amount of time. He played on the power play. So, 16 points. Yeah, that's fine because he is a young kid playing in a very, very mature situation. But, again, with all the ice time, you'd probably want to see that production a little higher. His strength is, is he's a playmaker. His playmaking ability is great. Great stick handling for a small guy. His puck control is great. And he's mm-hmm. very accurate when he passes um, and shoots. Just weirdly accurate with the puck. Great stick control, as I mentioned. Um, could do whatever he wants with the puck mm-hmm. in terms of fitting it in tight spaces and with his shot. Um, kid also has a really, really, really great motor, high work ethic. He's a, he's a little scrappy player. He gets in the the scrappy nets uh scrappy areas by the net that's where most of his goal came from was in close all of them actually came in close and i'll actually talk about that in his weaknesses but um yeah that's a good strength uh weaknesses first small dude when you're small you need good skating abilities and he's skating is not where it needs to be for his uh size Mm -hmm. yes it's it's below average the league actually the league does a lot of cool things in terms of tracking as i mentioned they track uh coursey and those advanced stats I don't have any for you for uh, Herna Vinen, but um, they I have his. They tracked the player's top speeds, and his top speed was tracked as being well below league average. And uh, yeah, so he really needs to work on his skating. And I said, at only five foot nine, one hundred sixty four pounds, you better be a good skater, or you might falter your play. But as I said, he's a really scrappy dude, so that makes up for it. He uh, high work ethic, so that hides his skating a little bit, but that definitely needs to be worked on. And um, his holding being 164 ta- pounds, he needs to get a lot stronger. He needs to add weight. I know he's short, but you could always add muscle and strength. And by adding the strength, it would not only help with his skating abilities, but also help his shot power, which lacks extremely and is why the reason he can't shoot from the outside because it just won't challenge goaltenders. And that's why all of his goals came in close. 
but yeah. So that's the strength and weaknesses. Um, as I mentioned, you may have to switch positions at the next level because how many really undersized centers with not great skating abilities do you see playing center at the NHL level? Yeah. Not a lot. So he'd be more fit as a winger. But um, but yeah, projection for me is a hardworking line three playmaker with a power play upside. And uh, he's going to be a nice grab for someone at the very end of the first round. He may even bleed into the uh, second round, like mm-hmm. first, second pick in the second round. That's where I have him going is picks 29 through 33-ish. Um, I don't know if he's going to be picked by the Devils just because unless the Canucks do something crazy and because the Devils don't have a second round pick, so I don't see him being in a red and black. But that is your weekly prospect quarter. Um, so we're going to move into our last segment here. We're going to be talking about the – this is a new segment we're going to implement. It's going to be a weekly thing most weeks. We're going to talk about pending Devils-specific free agents and if we think the Devils should bring them back and at what price this week's kind of a – I wouldn't say a boring week, but it's not the players you listeners are going to want to really hear us talk about. Um, it's all the the younger guys, or not younger guys. It's the uh, Binghamton guys. The three guys we're going to be discussing is Frederick Clayson, who they got from Carolina not, in the trade. Yeah, he was in that Carolina trade. I wouldn't call him a minor league. Eh, yeah, kind of. But uh, also Ben Street and Julian Malfiore. Um, I'll give you. I'll, I'll go first with what I found in these players, and you guys can give an input on what you guys think, and we'll just have a little discussion to end out. So. I'll start with Clayson here. He's a 27-year-old uh, defenseman. He's a left-handed shot. And, of course, like Chris, you just said, he was acquired in the Sammy Votnin deal. Yep. He only played five games for the Devils, and he actually did I think he scored fine. A, scored a goal, at least. He had some he points. Had, uh, yeah, he had two points in those five games, a golden assist, and he was a plus one. His uh, chart, his ramp-up chart, which shows the – offensive defensive metrics all of his stats even though it was a very very small sample size this chart was slightly above league average in all the areas the four different areas of tracks and uh his coursey numbers weren't pretty they were actually kind of ugly but his expected goal number which was pretty nice in this uh short time is a 57.74 and the average is a 50 so that 57.74 actually led the devils but of course keep in mind very very small sample size was only what for what i say five games but, um, yeah, that's Clayson. What do you guys think about Clayson? You want to see him in the red and black next year? And if you do, you want to see him in the NHL, AHL? Chris, what do you think? I think it'd be uh, it'd be good to keep him, have him compete for, you know, that, that spot in training camp. I mean, we talk about the, uh, the Devils needing to beef up the back end. Um, it's not just going out and getting people. You got to get people where you have a legit competition. You know, people are actually pushing each other to be better. It's not just like, oh, we're at training camp and we we already know, like, who's going to be there. Um, I think having him there, just having as much competition as possible is going to get the most out of what you have defensively for who should be on the team. No, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, for me, I feel like he could definitely battle for that seventh defenseman role, the healthy scratch yeah, on a sure. nightly basis. For sure, I could see and that. And for some reason, the Devils go the route and, take and keep the two defensemen. My only thing is Connor Carrick's locked down for another year, and he's probably locked down that seventh year role because they yeah, can't have these Carrick's guys really like Connor. Too. Yeah, they can't have these guys like Connor Carrick, Frederick Clayson, and Mirko Mueller's a free agent, so we'll talk about him down the road. But mm. they can't be in the lineup every night. Um, they need to be that seventh D role, so I could see Clayson maybe filling that role. But since Carrick will be there, maybe not. He could have him on a two-way deal, have him down in Binghamton. But I definitely want to see Clayson in Devil's Church next year. It'll be a cheap contract. Yeah, possibly I like what I saw from Clayson when he came over. 
Yeah. So uh, the other defense we're going to speak about is Julian Melchiori. He's a 28-year-old demon, and it was his first year with the Devils organization. He was successful. He played in 61 games for the Baby Devils, and he was one of their better D-men. He played a lot of time in the ice. He was a nice uh, 28-year-old, but a 28-year-old in the AHL is kind of a veteran presence. He played a lot of he's played a lot of games down there. Um, and with a large influx of young D-men, the Devils are going to have in their system the next few years. He can provide like a type of veteran presence that a lot of AHL teams definitely need. But, of course, you don't know when these guys are going to make it into the system. So I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him next year just because it's one of those the AHL quarry, right? You see a lot of turnover with these rosters, especially with the older guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see what Melchiori does if he's around or not next year. I, he's, it would, if he comes back, it would be a, two, a two-way deal, and it would you'd see him down in Binghamton providing veteran presence. But, um, yeah. That's the little Bob Melchiori. And the last guy we'll speak about is Ben Street. He was one of Binghamton's best players scoring-wise last year, and he was also named the team's captain. He served this uh, role. He's 33 years old, so he's exactly that veteran presence we were talking about. And when I think of an older guy in the devil system, Corey, I'll ask you this question. I think of an older guy in the devil system playing on the AHL team in his 30s, serving as the team captain. He's a centerman. He does it all. He's just that leadership guy. Who do you think? It wasn't that long ago. Who do you think I'm referring to? Uh, um, He's the uh, captain. Uh, uh, Albany. Uh, Rod Pelly. Rod Pelly. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's I think Ben Street could play this type of role going forward. Like oh, I could sure. see them bringing him back on a one-year deal. Yeah. They also did that with Tim Sestito, right? Didn't Sestito stick around for a little bit in that older kind of veteran role down there? Yeah, he, he did. And I think he did actually have the C in Albany for like a little bit. But yeah. no, when you were when you were, when you were talking before, for some reason, like I just kept thinking about Jay Leach, Jay Leach, Jay Leach. Like, no, 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 Rod Pelly. It was definitely Rod Pelly. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like he could be like a Pelly Sestito type down there, oh, just a veteran oh, guy that keeps him Definitely. Oh. Yeah, he was given the C last year. He forty two points and forty nine games played. That's a great, great output for the HL. He, he's by no way an NHL guy. He actually did play a couple NHL games this year, but um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him back. The HL, you love seeing. This was the first year in however long that the uh, since Binghamton moved from Albany that the Binghamton Devils were competitive, which was great to see. Well, well honestly, um, yeah. honestly, I thought they were going to keep Kelly around for at least another year or two in Binghamton to kind of keep, keep that transition over, but. And I was surprised they they let him go. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Street back playing that type of role. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's Clayson Street and Melchior. You guys have any final inputs on these boys before we move on? I think they've all got a case to stay. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things like we were talking about how the AHL, a lot of turnover with the older guys. Clayson, he'll be more of the NHL borderline type, that seventh D role. Street, definitely that veteran presence, and Melchior is just that. AHL top two, top four defenseman career guy, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they bring. All right, that that's it for this episode, boys. Um, good discussions all around. Yeah, I know we said last week about possibly having a special guest. Don't worry, we didn't forget. It's in the works. Trust us, our listeners. We'll have a nice little per- surprise for you. But um, look for that in the coming weeks. Uh, like I said earlier, Happy Father's Day to all those dads out there, Corey. You as well. Um, yep, happy we'll Father's Day for sure. In, yeah, we'll be dropping episode. This is episode four. We're dropping this. You guys will be listening. And then episode five will be dropped on the 29th. And of course, um, check our pages. You'll see it Spotify, 
all those good places you can listen to it. But anything else, boys? Nope. Happy Ooh, Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Corey, you, you as well. Yep, Thank yep, you, guys. Yep. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Everyone stay safe out there. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Let's go, Devils, baby. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>